You've lived a great life and done well for yourself. But what mark will you leave on the world? How will you inspire future generations? Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand have helped thousands of people answer exactly those questions. If you've ever wondered, what will be my legacy? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Stan and Katie Beth. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast with your hosts, Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. Today, joining us, our guest is Chris Kalander. Chris, welcome. We are so glad to have you on the show. Yes, thank you so much. I know this has been on my calendar a while and I've been looking forward to it. So I'm glad we're here today. Perfect. Well, before we jump in, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about what it is that you do and what got you started in this industry? So I am a certified financial planner. I am the founder of Elliott Wealth Management Services. We have offices in Connecticut and also Florida. And Katie Beth, this is the only career I have ever known. I started right out of college some 30 years ago, going on 31 years, which that's crazy. And the practice at LA Wealth Management is pretty typical for the advisor community. It's a hybrid practice. We do both investment advisory type work, some transactional work, although that's a minority of what we do for clients. We hold ourselves out as fiduciaries and we try and work with our small roster of clients to build deep personal relationships where we help our clients achieve their goals and objectives and sort of win with money. And that's our goal. And we've been successful. The career has been very good to me and I really enjoy helping people. Fantastic. You can see from what you just said now, and then also all the information on your website, that one of the ways you're really able to help clients is by getting to know them well. So talk to us just a little bit about that process, how you get to know your clients well, some of the questions that you ask them, and walk us through what that looks like. Yeah, it's a great question. One of the first things I would say is as a small practice compared to some of the big firms that are out there, great firms, but big firms, is our clients are not a number. If a client calls in or emails, my team and I are typically going to know who they are right off the jump. We don't necessarily need to go into our database. We're not going to memorize dates of birth, but generally we know who they are, how we've worked Mm -hmm. with them. We take incredibly good notes so that we could follow up on things that are discussed. And what we want to do through our regular meetings with clients, Katie Beth, is to cover numerous I'll call them discussion topics. So it's not just in our practice about the investment return, although that, of course, is important. But we're going to discuss other items, including goals and objectives, estate planning, the naming of beneficiaries as a prime example of that. We're going to go through a lot of areas of discussion with clients so that we can help them plan. The more that We can communicate. We share with them how we work with people and what our philosophies are. And the more they share with us, I think that sets the relationship up for success and leads to a greater likelihood that we don't miss any opportunities and we don't make any missteps. So hopefully that's a good summary of how we work with clients. That is a great summary. Stan, I know you have a ton of questions. Why don't you jump in with a question for Chris? Yeah, I have more than one, actually. So uh, I noticed just in reading about you and just in the conversations that we've had, 
you do take this whole business of connecting personally with clients really seriously, perhaps more seriously than a lot of planners I've talked to. I'm curious, do you have any like subtle tips or tricks of things that you do to open the door to the client relationship to get clients to to really open up to you and really share their deepest hopes and fears with you? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. I think there's a few things I'll say about that. Number one is I need to be genuine with who I'm speaking with. And so I need to be open also. And that's not to say, Stan, that I say, oh, this is how much I have in my retirement account, or this is how much I make. But I want to be open and genuine myself. I think that lends itself to an honest, open dialogue. So I think that's one thing. And second, I would say my training, being in the business for 30 years, being a CFP, the art of running a meeting, asking questions, open-ended questions to get people to talk, feel comfortable, open up is really important. And I would say, I think the third point I'll make is what I talked to Katie Beth about is if we're working with a client, if you're a client of ours, and let's say we agree that we're going to meet two or three times a year, let's say, is that we want to go back to those topics with some regularity. You know, a good example is when would you like to retire? Somebody says, you know, pick a day, you know, but if you ask them the next year, they might have a different view of that. Their health might have changed. Their family situation might have changed. They may have inherited money, whatever the case is. So I think that also helps a lot revisiting these issues because for all of us, these things are fluid and do change. So regularly discussing important topics as they evolve and life unfolds, I think also lend itself to the open dialogue. I heard you mention estate planning. You know, of course, you know, I'm an estate planner and if, pardon me, I've been an estate planner for several decades now. I'm wondering how you describe for me the relationship that you have with estate planning attorneys. How does that work? How do you bring up the subject with clients? Do you make referrals? How does that work? Do you get referrals and how does that work? Yes, I would love more referrals from estate planning attorneys. And for the financial advisors who listen to your excellent podcast, I'm sure they feel the same way. So I do have some good relationships with some attorneys, not just estate planning attorneys, but others as well that have been kind enough to make introductions along the way. I would say, though, that the balance of power is more where I'm much more likely to send a client to an estate planning attorney. And that's okay because I want to serve the client. And if that's the nature of the relationship, that's okay. I'm trying to serve the client the best I can. So the way that we will bring it up with clients is typically part of the facts fine when we begin working with someone. And again, during those ongoing service meetings, we're going to ask them, do they have a will? Do they have a state plan? When was it last updated? Things of that nature. Because if someone has a change in marital status, they move especially out of state, they have children, whatever the case is, there might be reasons why an estate plan needs to be updated. And some of that, and you know this as an estate planning attorney, sometimes the laws and rules and the best practices of what documents and language are in place as part of an estate plan need to be updated. So we will talk to clients about getting a will and estate plan in place. 
If it's very simple, Stan, you know, we might not be too involved with the estate planning attorney, you know, a young couple, husband and wife, they may have a sweetheart will where it's just, if something happens to me, I leave it to you and back and forth. We're not going to often be very involved with the estate planning attorney, but in cases where there's some wealth, some complexity, we want to let the client know that we would love to be part of the process and be included in discussions and meetings with the estate planning attorney, either with the client directly or in separate conversations so that, again, we could serve the client well. One of the mistakes, Stan, that I see a lot is that individuals will go to an estate planning attorney, often a great estate planning attorney. They will set up a plan that is really strong and robust though they fail oftentimes to execute on the plan, to go to their financial institutions to change the registrations. They might fail to update their beneficiary designations. And so you might have a great document that you put in your file that the attorney set up for you, but on the back end, it needs to be executed. And that's something that we could work with the attorney and with our clients to make sure what's in the document is carried out so that the plan actually is fulfilled. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. That's really the dark side, isn't it? It's like you have clients that get great documents from great lawyers, but without the follow through, they really don't work. And families are so frustrated when something happens to that client only to discover that, wow, we've got to go to probate now. And I thought mom and dad paid, you know, paid to make sure that didn't happen. Why is it happening? It's a hard conversation. It is and is. And beneficiary designations is another prime example of that, where they might have an old 401k or an old life insurance account, and uh, they don't name the beneficiary. And in some instances, that the way that non-beneficiary designated account gets processed might be at odds with the estate plan, and in some instances, may create taxes needlessly. Yeah, and that happens... That happens a lot. It's really one of the unfortunate aspects of process. And I think that's a role that financial advisors can can play to really be that other, you know, to really be the partner with the estate planning attorney to be sure that those things are really followed through on. Because you guys, you know, financial advisors meet with clients, what you're saying, uh, typically, what, three or four times a year? Yes, it'll range depending on the relationship, but two to four times a year is typical. Yeah. See, for an estate planning attorney, if we have the opportunity to meet with the client once a year, we feel really fortunate. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, you guys see the client more than more than we do. And so you oftentimes are able to pick up on things that are happening, things that are evolving in the family. And so you're really, for the estate planning attorney, if we have the right kind of relationship with the advisor, you're really like our periscope. Yes. I feel the same way. And that is one of the many roles we serve with clients. And, and it's not that clients are dumb, far from it, but they may not realize when something happens, what the corresponding impact of that is across all of the different planning elements and doing those conversations. Like you said, the regular check-ins, we're in a position to let them know, Hey, you know, have you thought about how this affect that? Maybe you, why don't we reach out to Stan and see if this requires an update or a change to the estate plan? That kind of maintenance is very helpful. And I agree with you. It's a vital role financial advisors play. And it's one of the reasons why clients may sometimes want to do 
investing themselves. But oftentimes, I believe that they miss out on some of these important comprehensive or holistic parts of the business relationship that a good financial advisor, a good financial planner can deliver relationally. Yeah. I also think there's data that shows that if they have a good relationship with a financial advisor, their financial returns over time tend to be you know, two or 300 basis points higher on an annualized basis. Yes. I've seen that too, <clears throat> including one, I don't know if it was a white paper or a research paper from Vanguard of all places. Yeah. And I do think that there's something to it. It's not to say that you can't do it on your own. I'm not suggesting that. But if you work with a good planner, a good firm, there's a good chance that you will get out of the relationship more than it costs you to be involved in the relationship. And at first glance, stuff might seem very inexpensive, even free, if you will. And I say that in quotation marks, I don't want to get in trouble with regulators. I think you know what I mean that you might be missing out on some stuff that would really justify the cost of the relationship. Some of the things we're talking about are great examples of that. Yeah. So when you have a client, and I'm saying a, a client that has a bit more wealth than that young couple you were referring to, do you, is it common for you to, to attend the estate planning meeting with the attorney? I would say that's less common. I think, Stan, more likely would be a separate conversation that my office would have with the attorney's office separate from the client. That's probably more common. So the client meets with the attorney. Here's the outline of the plan. The attorney reaches out to us or vice versa. We lay out what we've done the beneficiary designations, the accounts that we're managing, what we know about the client. And we just sort of collaborate, sort of, I describe it, Stan, as the right hand and the left hand are coordinating on behalf of the client. That's more likely than sitting in on the actual meeting, although that does happen with some regularity. It's just not the majority of the time. Yeah, I actually really prefer that. And I think from the financial advisor's perspective, there are things that come up in the conversation the estate planning attorney initiates with the clients that wouldn't maybe wouldn't yeah. come up with the advisor. And I think I think one of the outcomes that I've seen happen is that when those things come out of the conversation, the client begins to see the financial advisor much more so as a family confidant, a trusted advisor rather than somebody who, you know, just happens to be the guy who's selling financial services or financial products. Does it sound like that's the relationship you have with clients anyway? But I will say yes. that with the financial advisors that we work with, I always encourage them to be present, to be physically present in the room when we have the meeting. I think good things happen whenever that happens. I also, sometimes they're able to raise points in the meeting that I might sure. that, that prompt questions I might not have asked. Yeah. No, I could see the value in that. And you bring up, uh, you got to bring up a great point. So you practice in, in Connecticut and also in Florida. You spend time in Florida? I do spend time in Florida. I've had the office in Florida since 2014. Part of the team is in Florida. My parents live in Florida. They retired there from Connecticut. So it's a good place to be doing business. The Florida economy is strong and growing, population growth, all of the metrics, they seem to be winning economically as a whole, the state. So it's a wonderful place to do business. And candidly, Stan, what I saw with my practice is you work with clients, 
often one of the primary goals is to get retirement ready. And you would see the client get to retirement and then they would leave the state. And the most popular place, the number one destination when people retire and they move out of Connecticut, I think it's the case for most of the Northeast states, the number one destination is Florida. And if they don't move there, they might own property there, they may snowbird there, they may just spend an extensive amount of time there. So having the president in Florida has been very advantageous to attracting and keeping clients even after they move out of state. Going back to something that you said before, that's also meant that a lot of our business relationships have transitioned from you always meet the client in person to a little bit more of a virtual relationship because we have clients in some 24, 25 states. And that means I just can't physically be everywhere. And most of our clients are comfortable with Zoom meetings, telephone calls, email as part of the service model. And the pandemic, of course, exaggerated people's comfort with that kind of thing. But we've been doing it since 2014. Yeah, I think that's one of the one of the positive outcomes of the pandemic is so many more people are now comfortable with doing that. And boy, there is an efficiency in that, right? I mean, you don't have to get on the plane and fly there, you know? Yes. No, absolutely. And I think, I mean, it's it's a time-saving element. So from a business perspective, there's some advantages in terms of you know, revenue, profit margins, things like that. I think it also means though, that if someone calls and and I had this scenario last week, small business owner, he's wanted to sell his business for a while. He finally has an offer. And so we've been working back and forth actually in collaboration with uh, their CPA and something happened in negotiation. And he said, well, what do you think? And It was just like, hey, look, let's just hop on Zoom. We didn't need to do lunch. We didn't need to have him come to my office. He's a busy guy. But just able to get on Zoom, so it's face-to-face. I could see him. He could see me. He shared the documents on Zoom with me. And it allowed for a very quick but extremely effective conversation that if it wasn't for that technology, we probably would have said, there's no reason to meet. We've just done it over the phone. But being able to see the documents together, sharing the screen, added so much to the conversation. So it's a great use of technology. And we really try in my practice to leverage technology as best we can. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. You've been podcasting now for a long time. You've done, what were you telling me, like 350 episodes Yes, I think we started in 2005 or 2006. My show, Simply Financial, it's a weekly podcast similar to what uh, you and Katie Beth are doing. It's been a great experience. Sometimes it's just me and I'll talk about one topic or another. Other times I'll have um, Ellie Wealth team members on with me discussing something. And uh, I'll also have guests on the show. Everyday Americans, people that have retired, get their perspective on their financial plans and how things worked out, what they learned when they were young, lessons that they would impart to the younger generation. I'll also have other experts and in, in industry folks on to talk about the economy or tax legislation, things like that. So it's wide ranging and it's really great way to communicate with clients because they're probably the prime listeners of the podcast because it's on demand. They could hear me talk about something get to know me a little bit more. It's a way I could keep in touch with them and they could do it at their own pace and time. And it's been very well received. And and I don't know if 
this has been the case for the two of you. But it also, I feel, helps me hone my craft because when you talk like we're doing today, you have to be sharp. You have to think through things. You have to be concise. And I believe it also has helped me be a better practitioner having the podcast and talking about various things. So it's been great all around. And, you know, I like to shoot my mouth off as much as the next guy. (laughs) Well, you know, in the time that Katie, Beth and I have been doing this, it's been really terrific to meet amazing people, people I want to actually get to know better and spend time with. And you're an example of exactly what I'm talking about. Have you found that the podcast, has it been good for business? It has been good for business. To be fair, my show is smallish in terms of listener base. So I am not getting people, strangers call or email saying, hey, I heard you on the podcast, love the show, you know, want to become your client. That doesn't happen with much regularity. It's fairly rare. What it does help though is with estate planners and CPAs and other professionals, it adds credibility. When you have a podcast that's media and you you get points for that. And so that's helpful. Additionally, Stan, uh, potential clients and clients get to hear me talk about a variety of different things in the privacy of their home or car. They might be traveling and they get to know me. We talked earlier about openness, the genuine self. You know, if, if you listen to a bunch of my top, my shows, you're going to get a pretty good sense of who I am. And I might not be, no, not might. I'm not for everyone. You know, I have my own idiosyncrasies, my philosophies, my worldview. So that has really helped with attracting clients and retaining clients. If, if I meet with, uh, let's say, a potential client and we talk about one topic or another, I will often say, hey, you know, I just covered something similar to this on a podcast. Let me send you a link to the podcast. If I could have that potential client listen to that episode or other episodes, it goes a long way to establishing my expertise and also give them an insight into who I am, how I explain things, how I answer questions. And so that's really the big value is with centers of influence, potential clients and clients becoming more attractive and maintaining client relationships. That makes total sense. Makes total sense to me. Cool. Absolutely. Well, Chris, thank you very much for all of that information. It was great. Is there anything we didn't cover today that you would like our listeners to know about? You guys did a great job. I would welcome anybody listening to check out my podcast, Simply Financial. Our goal is to increase a listener's financial IQ. You could also go to my practice website. It's ElliotWealth.com. Elliot has two L's and two T's. You could find more information about me, my team, how we work with clients. You could also there find all of the podcast episodes that we've done over the last bunch of years. So please check it out. That would be great. You could also sign up right on the site for a complimentary consultation if you want to talk about one thing or another. But I think that's my pitch there, Katie Beth. That that was a perfect, very (laughs) concise pitch. That was great. Well, thank you everyone for listening today. This has been the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast with your hosts, Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. Our guest today was Chris Calandra, and we will add links in the show notes for his website, ElliotWealth.com, as well as his Simply Financial podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast with Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
To find out more about Stan and Katie Beth, go to PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. You can also find links in the show notes.